Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Good morning, Alan. I mean, Verona, you've been on the journey yourself, haven't you? Fake pandemic, if you were like me uh, and you were there on Sunday to witness the commemoration, I spoke to people who lost relatives through COVID. Anything but fake, is it? Yeah, and I think, look, Sunday was a beautiful ceremony. Uh, My heart went out to those who went through COVID and buried loved ones and lost loved ones and didn't have what we in Ireland do best, which is the normal grieving process of funerals and wakes. And they were deprived of that. And, you know, your, your first text today in relation to not being able to see her dad in hospital, that is the very worst possible scenario in this case. I mean, we're back in society we are now living with COVID and I have to be honest Alan and you probably have witnessed this on Sunday also there was as many people wearing masks as were not and I'm finding that I feel no intimidation regarding whether I wear a mask or not and I think you know it's a personal choice now. I don't think we need yeah. legislation. We still have it in public transport settings, but most people are making that choice for themselves. And we are living with COVID. It is still within the community, albeit that now people are reporting that this is like a bad flu for some just a cold for others. But the reality is a bad flu killed as many as we will see with COVID. So I think we do have to be mindful. It's not gone away. We still have uh, COVID within our communities, but we need to be aware that the vulnerable people are those that we must try and protect. And in relation to Exeter Hospital, Alan, the staff... It's about the staff and ensuring that the staff can attend work and that the hospital doesn't become overwhelmed because the staff are in our communities. They're as likely to get COVID as anybody else. So, you know, it's about protecting all the patients and all the care. But I would say to the listener that contacted you this morning in relation to seeing her dad, we liaise quite a bit with Wexford General Hospital from my offices and I, I'm happy to do that if she wishes to contact If she wishes to contact you. And again, like, I mean, one of the most moving pieces was from Linda O'Leary, the general manager, and she talked about Absolutely. the loss and the loss of colleagues. And, like, it's a very thin line that they are threading at the moment because we spoke to Leanne as well, Leanne Sheridan, the frontline nurse in ICU. Like, every day that they go in and have gone in, um, before the vaccinations and all came out, they were putting their lives at risk so it's a very thin line but that that listener who asked to remain nameless i've got another call similar as well um for uh, in support of us um and this caller's name is mary and she said her mom found it extremely claustrophobic so look i've 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 asked for ireland east to follow up on this and i await their response but if there could be anything done to ease the burden and the loneliness in these situations it needs to be done though doesn't it verona it needs to be done it does and and these are you know at this age cohort people deteriorate very quickly I understand that I am pretty sure that the hospital staff also it's going to be very difficult for them to strike a balance but I think there's always mediation and we can do that on their behalf you know but we do need to be able to try and strike a balance to keep the hospital operational for all patients those with cancer any illness not just COVID. Now uh, this message is literally hot off the presses and if you need time to to 
analyse it and come back to me with a response. I, I don't mind. It's uh, a gentleman on the Scorthy phone to say he was trying to ring his own GP for the past two weeks, uh, left on hold for an hour and then hangs up, walked down yesterday to make an appointment, was told uh, that he had to make an appointment over the phone. He's been a patient for five years. Is there a problem emerging with doctors and medical cards similar to what we witnessed with dentists, Verona. Have you been made aware of that? Um, and if so, can you shed any light on it? If you can't, I totally understand because I'm literally giving you this question as I got it. Well, with no information as to the caller, I, again, I would be prepared to assist, but I think the reality is, yes, we are becoming overwhelmed and part of that is because there is staff missing from every sector of society, whether it's in the medical sphere, whether it's in the hospitality, everybody is under pressure because staff are isolating because of COVID or they have left the sector. And I think in that regard, our doctors are still in the realm of trying to protect their staff and and that is why they'd rather you would make an appointment over the phone. And I absolutely understand the frustration. We have a lot of complaints, it's not just in relation to any one practice. It is widespread around the county, if not the country. And it is particular because they have changed the way they do things. Appointments can now take up to a week if you can get one. But primarily, if you are a new medical card holder, it is very, very difficult to get assigned to a doctor, particularly the one that you would live closest to. So it's something that I have brought to the floor of the doll. I'll be continuing right. to bring to the floor of the doll. And there will be further pressures put on the system, Alan. But we have to work with that and we have to work with ways for the HSE to look at how they're spending money and to look at how they can effectively address this situation because what they're doing currently is not working. Right, let's t- turn our attention to what has been unfolding in Ukraine and what's unfolding in our own doorstep in Ross Lair. Um, there's been a lot of reaction to this particular story. The humanitarian effort has uh, has been mentioned and mentioned quite a lot. But there's another side to the story as well. Um, Anne, sign, uh, contact me on social media, she says, why has our homeless crisis not been treated as a humata- humanitarian one when it more than fits the criteria described? A humanitarian emergency arises when such an event affects a vulnerable population who are unable to withstand the negative consequences by themselves. Vulnerability refers to reduced capacity of individuals or groups to resist and recover from life-threatening hazards and is most often connected to poverty. Uh, Anne goes on to say, I support her efforts for the Ukrainian people 100%, but I'm appalled that our own government haven't apparently deemed our own homeless to be worthy enough of help and support for well over a decade now. Shame on them. And then when we put up the post about the visit to uh, uh, Rosnair Europort, there were some comments underneath it. One said, will you also be telling the harrowing story of the man found dead this morning in his tent in Dublin, or the harrowing story of two parents and their three children sleeping in one room in a relative's house? Um, didn't see you over the bridge or over at the roundabout past the park the time the craters were living in the tents, letting them tell their harrowing stories. Well, I, I actually have covered quite a lot of stories of homeless people, so I, I dispute those comments. We have covered stories like that. How do you draw the divide, um, Verona, between the reflections there from those listeners and what's going on in Ukraine, it's, 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 can you separate them? I think you can, Alan. And just to say, I too deal with a lot of those issues. And, you know, I am, I'm well aware of the scenario we find ourselves in in Wexford. It's not a discussion that you could cover on a 10-minute slot with yourself. You know that and I know that. We do, I do my utmost as a community representative and as an elected representative, I will also 
be tasked with helping the Ukrainians. These people are leaving a war-torn country. They're not coming essentially from poverty. They're coming because their lives are in danger. They are here because they seek refuge, hoping to return to their homeland as soon as this situation is resolved, albeit that we have no idea when that will be. But we have women and children predominantly who are leaving their loved ones, husbands, sons, fathers behind to fight a war that they may never win and that could go on for years. Do we have the capacity to take 200,000 migrants? Absolutely not. What we have to do is our best on compassionate grounds to save their lives and keep them safe. And that does not mean that they are going to be given a three-bedroomed house with a garden. In by no means, many of these people have already, probably half of the refugees that have arrived here from the Ukraine have gone to existing family. And I'm sure they're sharing bedrooms and they're under pressure, but they are safe. And I think that's the realm in which we're going to have to look at this. We are on humanitarian grounds helping people to flee from a life-threatening situation to keep their children safe, to keep themselves safe, that they will someday return to their homeland. And we should be very proud as a people. Yesterday, like you, I was in Rosslair. I met Tetiana, but I also met another Tetiana and a group of Ukrainians who run and organize a charity in Cork. And yesterday, six Arctic loads of aid went to the Ukrainian-Polish border under the auspice of the IRHA, the Irish Road Haulage Association. And Tetiana told me, and this is what we should be very proud of as a people, that the Irish are the biggest responders to the aid request of all of the European mainland countries. Ireland, on the periphery of Europe, has sent and responded best to the crisis and the aid requirements of the people in the Ukraine. And I think that is something that we should hold very dear and we should we should try and emulate that on our own soil when these people come here seeking refuge. It's a really volatile subject at the moment, Verona, because we've got lots of calls coming in on this. Another caller is phoning to say we're taking in over 200,000 refugees and thinks politicians are living in a different world altogether. We already have had 10,000 homeless, another 10,000 in direct provision, and 4,000 children homeless uh, and people sleeping on our streets and in our towns. And, I mean, I can understand where people are coming from and that as well, but, uh, I mean, some of the stuff I heard well, yesterday... I, I understand, yeah. I think, Alan, what people are thinking. We're going to give the Ukrainian refugees a medical card. Mm-hmm. The medical card is not going to suffice in a service that they are going to be seen over and above an Irish medical card holder, an Irish citizen that has a medical card. They will join the queue like everyone else, and I am a newly elected independent representative for Wexford. I am under no illusion. Only last week I stood up in the door because we have over 1,000 children in Wexford waiting right. for OT services. I'm under no illusion and I advocate every day and that's where I talk about the HSE and how they spend money. We need to look at the waste that's in the sector and try and put it 
where it can be best okay. used and we reduce our queues. I do understand where people are coming from and all of that is it's not going to go away. As I said, yeah. nobody coming from Ukraine is receiving just a three bed house from a council housing list. That is not what's happening here. Right. We are accommodating people fleeing a humanitarian catastrophic disaster. But all of the other things will be compounded and I will continue to work as their voice for Wexford. Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news and your views.